0: Retro Rebel is brought to you by templeofgeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture-related needs at templeofgeek.com. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics. Retro Rebels release Fridays, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Retro Rebel Podcasts. My name is Stacy, and with me as always is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. Thanks. Hello. Welcome back. Well, well, I mean, both of us. This is, well,
1: welcome back to you. This is a group, <laughs> a group welcome. I've been keeping your seat warm for a couple I appreciate
0: of it uh, more than you know. So, <laughs> but, um, as it were, I have gotten to play some games, and things have happened, and the world continues to spin. So what's been going on?
1: Mm. I've just been playing Sit- Six Nymphs like a little addict. Uh, it's so fun. <laughs> it, it is the best free board game I've ever found. You can just shit-talk your friends. It's It's all, like, sort of counting and um memorization based so if you are pretty good at keeping track of things you can anticipate that when other people might forget and then set up little traps to make them pick up cards and things it's very fun and over zoom with just a huge amount of shit talking it's delightful so i've been playing more of that than i'd like to admit so much that i've gotten several achievements for it (laughs) Uh, um and it's as I'm sure you can imagine, not that easy to get achievements on a board game website. You know, you really, you really got to put in the put in the hours.
0: I was going to say, I, I know nothing, and I can only imagine. So
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, it it is it is a fun little game. I highly recommend it for anybody that you likes. always
0: are playing like these uh, quirky or or just like uh, lesser known. Um, whether it be a game off of Game Pass that, you know, that I hadn't necessarily heard of, but, you know, is, is a, you know, maybe like a, a diamond in the rough, so to speak. So.
1: Yeah. Mm. I mean, I haven't played a game on Xbox since I played as Dusk Falls and as I'm sure we'll discuss later, I had a different um, experience with it than I feel perhaps I was supposed to. Interesting.
0: <laughs> so. I am in, I'm interested to know because I have not had a chance to play it yet. Uh, and I want to. Uh, and I've only heard things about it. So what I have heard versus your personal experience, uh, I think we're gonna have a couple of those stories in this uh, this episode. so um, well, that's good. I, I have i I have not gotten a lot of uh, new games to play lately, or I haven't played a lot of new games lately. but the one that I have played that I have been looking forward to more so than I even thought I would was stray. And, um, I was considering buying it and I think I still will. Uh, I think it's $30 here in the United States. And so, um, I probably will buy it. Uh, but I played it for a few hours on PlayStation, on PlayStation 4. And, uh, I have, I was completely, I was taken aback. I was very surprised at how much I enjoyed being a cat uh, because I'm I not, mean, who wouldn't, I'm not, who wouldn't enjoy that? I know I'm just not really a cat person okay. per se, but, um, I know it's just, but it was very, um, I played it with my, <laughs> I started playing it with my four year old. So I for thought her. this would be something that would keep her attention for a minute because it was a cat and, uh, it's very much just that, you know, you're a cat now there it's post-apocalyptic, uh, it starts out with you and your little cat family together uh, just kind of functioning and being cats, like you can go up and lay down next to your some of your family members, and just like y'all can play. Basically, the uh, tutorial is teaching you how to be a cat and how, I like how to cat. It teaches you how to cat, and then when you kind of get separated from your family, that's when the game actually starts. And so. Um, You know, I've seen a lot of let's plays of people playing it and nothing about the story. So like I didn't ruin any of that stuff for myself and I won't do that here either. But you you get to uh, you get to be a cat and I just can't explain how much how simple that premise is, but how like legit you are a cat like you can if you just want to lay or nap or (laughs) knock things off of a counter you can do that as almost as yeah. much as you want to um so if you just want to be a jerk as a cat which cats are many times you can absolutely mm-hmm. be that person or that cat so highly recommend it uh if if that any of that sounds interesting to you uh it is it's been very enjoyable so i have actually had a lot of fun playing that game but that's I all
1: that's that so cute
0: it is it, it really was uh that and and of course some back on the on the Warcraft train. So
1: um No yeah, what? I,
0: I've been full time back. <laughs> oh my god. I know. <laughs> I took a break. You can't quit <laughs> as long as I could take. Uh and I'm back. And uh I even bought the you know, I bought Dragonflight and uh so we'll see. It's it's supposed to get back to you know, the the in game stuff in this patch or in this in this expansion is so much better than anything that was in the expansion before it. So um, it got back to the feel, but it just took a long time to get there, like two patches, and I had already quit long before we got to that patch. And so um, getting back into it, it reminded me why I played. But I think some of the things we're going to talk about in this episode – are reflected in bad practices in blizzard products currently and and in many video games you know stuff we've talked about on lots of episodes um yeah so when you see those things rear their heads in warcraft or in some of these other games where uh you know behind time gated or paywalls or anything that where um it's unnecessarily complicated or difficult or um financially and you know, the the investment is greater than maybe the return and it's all for the sake of the game. That's just takes so much away from the experience. And um, you can see it and you can see where, where it probably should have been. And Warcraft is has teetered on that line for a few expansions now, where it it it's gotten away from what made the game fun, and then it's just a grind and just yeah. time gated to keep you online as much as possible as long as possible. Um, and that just sucks. So that's just not much fun. But I have been having fun. And while I have fun, it's worth the $14 a month uh, <laughs> to have fun right now. So until it's not again.
1: Listen, I mean, I'm not going to judge you. I have definitely uh, spent some money playing some games in my time. So no judgments over here. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough um yeah so that sounds pretty exciting i mean stray looked really cute i'm disappointed to see that it at least at the moment it's not on game pass over here in the uk i'm um, sad for
0: you yeah
1: yeah it looks so cute i also saw like you could make the robots trip and stuff like it looks so funny <laughs> I feel like i need to be a cat yes yes <laughs>
0: if anything you need to we've got to find a way for you to be able to play it so I've threatened for years to send you my PS3, but I don't think it's yeah. on PS3. So,
1: Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, my partner has a PlayStation 4, so well, hopefully I will be able to steal his console for a little bit and give it.
0: It's free on there. Go. You got to. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully. I mean, once again, it sometimes is different over here in the UK. Yeah. But I will try to make a note to see if it is... Stray is downloadable. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'll check on Friday. Um, but anyway, mm. shall we move on to gaming news?
0: Absolutely. Gaming news. What news doth you have?
1: I have a surprising amount of news. Um, so first things first, uh About 24 hours ago, Call of Duty updated on the amount of bans that it's put out in its community for violating community guidelines and being horrible people and that sort of thing. And um, they have now banned over 500,000 players in an effort to improve community standards and make Call of Duty a better place to play. And I kind of think that's a good thing because Call of Duty has a notoriously toxic community. Maybe not as bad as a few other, but near the top as one of the worst um, communities that I've ever played in. They're
0: the reason uh, why I don't have sound up on my, or I'm not connected to anything on the internet. It's like, if I can't hear what's happening in the game, I don't hear anything else. Anything my team is saying about me, yeah, that's why.
1: Yeah, and and that's fair. I don't think um, that I really play with my sound on, I actually, I try not to play with pub groups full stop, uh, because it's awful, but that's good. You know, they're, they're trying to be accountable. Um, and we've linked to the story, uh, within the website. So you can have a look at that. The second one is that, um, do you have news? Sorry, I'm just running ahead.
0: I really, I have one thing, but honestly, it's not that big. So I can get it at the, I'll tag it at the end.
1: Okay, Uh, so the second one is the PlayStation Network loyalty program. We've gotten more information about how that's actually going to work. So it's supposed to compete with Microsoft Rewards, except the loyalty program is going to have campaign-specific in-game reward trophies. So occasionally... For specific games, you will be able to go in and if you're part of the loyalty program, get a special achievement trophy that other people can't get. Um, it's, that's interesting to me. It's nice that it's related to gaming. I don't hate that, although I do feel like what if you happen to not play any of the games that they feature in these campaigns? Like, you know, I, as you mentioned, play a lot of very niche stuff. Is this going to be something they even bother doing a marketing campaign about when it comes to loyalty marketing? Maybe not. But um, once again, i link the story. So if you guys want to have a look and see what you think about the trophies that are going to be on offer and the bespoke achievements that you can get, we do have a little bit more information on that. And then the last piece of news that I have is I recently went to the world's first fully immersive open world adventure. What? Yeah, which is called Phantom Peak. And it's here in London for a limited time. And they have basically taken over a half a city block. And transformed it into a Victorian steampunk town filled with NPCs to offer quests to you so that you can basically play a video game in real life. And it was sick, man. It was sick. Now, it is more geared toward families and kids, right? And some of the people who are the professional actors were a bit surprised at a group of eight fully grown adults with no children getting really into this adventure. Um <laughs> But it's very much like Westworld in real life with, like, quest components. Very cool. If you have the opportunity to do anything like that or something like that comes to a city near you, I highly recommend it. It was very, very fun. Well worth the 34 pounds. We had hours of entertainment. We were giggling the whole way. It turns out I'm terrible at carnival games, even if someone's life is on the line. So <laughs> It's good to know
0: for the future, you know, just in case.
1: Yeah. They have fun little souvenirs like this, which is a knitted fattypus It's a fat platypus. <laughs> uh, one of the girls in the group bought it for me because I thought it was the cutest thing ever. And it's just so adorable. I it's, mean, it's where are adorable. you ever going to get anything like this?
0: That's right. It is pretty <laughs> adorable. A fatipus. Nice.
1: Yeah. So, and you got a little, when you completed uh, the adventures, there was, I think, 12 different stories that you could complete. We managed to do eight in the four or five hours that we were allowed in the session. And every one that you completed, you got a little card, a little playing card with the specific quest on it that you've done. So you could always go back and try to finish the rest of the quest another time. It was pretty cool, I have to say. It was very neat.
0: That is, that is really cool. There is one of those in Birmingham here in, in uh, Alabama that is um, Alice in Wonderland. And it has, yeah. And they've, they've got two, two week sessions. Like there's a, there's a week that they're doing it, I think next month. And then they're doing it again in, uh, in November. And I've looked at it. It looked, it's like, it's supposed to be for families, but it also looked like for little kids, it could be terrifying because that is Alice in Wonderland. So, um, I could see that being the case anyway
1: yeah yeah. this one with some mixed groups they had like an app for you to follow along and it did ask some questions about like is this a family fun day and then if you said no then they had more adult themed things that you could do but uh we did a mixture of stuff just to see what it's like but it was really detailed yeah um it was very cool it was huge there was like even a little mini water ride and everything it was that, true, that's right?
0: fascinating, and I think that would be really cool and something that I didn't even know I needed, but would be really cool, you know. Um, well, I only have one piece of news, and it kind of segues into what we're talking about. So yesterday I was watching um, Jesse Cox on YouTube does uh, these little five-minute news segments, and uh, it's really – he does them every day. And, and um, a lot of things that kind of go under the radar that I wouldn't have necessarily uh, seen. I'm not – I dig through the news, and I always get something. But um, some sometimes I'm not privy to this, and and this was uh, a couple of interviews that were done with Blizzard about how Blizzard is kind of uh, they're kneecapping their own game right now. So if you've listened or followed the news on Overwatch two. it's just been in turmoil since the beginning, since uh, you know its entire production process and and just the deliverables and what they promised from the beginning. None of it's the same. You know, originally it was supposed to just be a, a, a and maybe in an addition to Overwatch, you know, where you just had yeah. um, you know a continuation of that. Now, now basically, you know, they've gone to the point where Overwatch Two will replace Overwatch One there will not be an Overwatch 1 anymore. So you kind of, if you were to play Overwatch 2, you know, the servers and everything else that was dedicated to that other game will no longer work or function. They're going to shut them down over time. Mm -hmm. Now they're releasing these new characters that are supposed to be a part of Overwatch 2, but they are currently behind paywalls. Uh, and DLC not like purchase DLC but like you have to buy the game the battle pass for it to get on oh, right. and and they also have their own in-game currency so instead of they took loot boxes out but they're adding their in-game <laughs> their own in-game currency so it's like trading one devil for the, for another and uh and all of it being nefarious all of it's not on the up and up and and it's definitely definitely not what the and that's what he was showing developer interviews talking about The purity of the spirit like what they were trying to do which was to create these new characters and make sure that it's even amongst all the players so that when you bought overwatch 2 you got all the characters that everybody else had the problem is is if you put these characters behind paywall and this is what he was presenting part of the part of the dynamic of overwatch 2 is to select characters based on the other team's dynamic and if you if you lose a match And you see that there's a hole in your defense or offense or or healing, then you will drop your character. or Somebody from your group will pick up another character to fill the gap. Well, what if this character is behind a paywall and they paid to have that character and you literally can't do anything about it because that character is not accessible by everybody that's that's playing the game that you have to, you know, basically it's the pay to win mechanic and it's they're introducing it. So uh, I don't know. It still hasn't, it hasn't come to fruition to my knowledge, uh, that, that they still haven't rolled that out yet, but that is something I think they're, um, that they're, I know they're t- talking about it. They're tinkering with it now, um, play testing it. Uh, but it remains to be seen if there's enough people that will make noise about it to, to keep it from actually happening. So, but blizzard, you know, it's just right now they're, they're. All the worst business practices, uh, Blizzard has. Pro- that their bingo card is full. They've they've done all of them. So, just very unfortunate. <clears throat> but you know that brings us. Uh, uh, that's a poor segue to our main topic today. But uh, of. I
1: think it was a
0: fine segue. I think, I guess in a way it is. And just the idea of choice in gaming in general. And and when those choices are behind a paywall or when those choices are non-existent or when the choices don't matter, how much do choices matter in gaming really is what we wanted to talk about today. So how much do they matter?
1: Well, I think, first off, you've obviously identified a few other avenues where choice in gaming might not be something that people think about right away. Right. I know when I hear, you know, does choice matter in gaming, I always think RPG, right? That's where right. my mind goes right away. Right. It goes to story, it goes to narrative. But actually, having the choice to um, support creators and studios that you like by purchasing additional DLC or by buying a deluxe edition of the game or maybe even buying loot boxes? I mean, are these choices that we should have? Do they matter? Um, Is the type of choice given to us changing how we feel about the experience? I think these are some general questions that we
0: look at. Absolutely. And so let's, let's talk about first uh, hit on what you just said about choice, choice that doesn't necessarily have to do with the narrative, you know, just like from character choice and selection uh, to character creation, you know, how much do, or, or even to uh, the choice to, to invest money in your game. So, you know, do you think that, you know, Choices like that, at least superficially, uh, in in what your character looks like, and and character creation, you know, gender selection, things like that, are those are those important choices? Should they be universally applied? Does it matter by the genre?
1: Um, I would say. For me, character creation is always like a nice choice to have because for me, it already gives me that immersive experience picking a character and thinking in my mind about what kind of person they're going to be and, you know, what the fantasy associated with them are. I do find it harder when you're pinned in, especially if the character you're playing doesn't match your gender. Um, which is often the case if you're a female gamer, um, it is a little bit harder to get into the story just because like, the options that the character will naturally have or sometimes the way they deal with things doesn't really align with how I would do them. Um, It's funny because like a very recent situation happened where I've recently got a car and I pulled into a petrol station to get gas and I had my windows rolled down. I was listening to music and I'm just going to pay at the pump. And a guy decided that he needed to tell me that I need to get back into my car, put my engine back on and roll my windows up because someone might take the dash cam in my vehicle. And because as a woman, you're just conditioned to not cause problems because that's how you get stabbed, right? I would just got back into my car, rolled up my windows. Yes, sir. Do you know what I mean? Whereas um, if this was a video game, right, then I'm pretty sure that a male character would tell him to do one. Yeah, but that's not realistic to what life is actually like. For a woman, well, most women, I don't want to speak for everyone, but, you know, for somebody like me, where you just try not to cause problems and not get yourself into situations, you know. In my mind, I was cursing him seven ways to Sunday, but what actually came out, oh, thanks, that's such a good suggestion. No, thanks for that. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you just hate yourself a little bit. Yeah, like, <laughs>
0: yeah. no, um, I, I so. get it. And, you know, I think character <laughs> creation, I think, is is absolutely um, – I think it's an integral part to certain types of games. I'm also of the mind that uh, there are games where I am completely, and I guess it's probably where I am in life and, and how I play games now and look at them. But I'm very much, I'm very okay with playing the game the way that the creator of the game wanted me to. Like, say, for instance, I'll, I'll use like um, Hellblade. Uh, Senua's Sacrifice, you know, you play a female lead. And um, I never at any point felt like I... And this is just my experience in this particular game. I knew what the game was going into it. I knew there wasn't character creation. I knew that, you know, this was the character, character that you're going to play. And Accepted that. I mean, this is not like this step by step process that I had to do to learn to be able to accept to play this game. It's like, no, I just read it. I was like, that seems like a cool game. I'm going to play it. And I'm cool with this being the lead character. But I also understand representation matters. And and I can say that anytime I've ever played a game where I can create a character, I have never created a female character. You know, I've never done it, you know. So I get it, you know, when I can play.
1: It's not because you hate women. It's just because like, I feel like we just sort of go with what we know.
0: I am the character (laughs) in this story. And so like, and I don't have time to play it twice usually. So I'm going to play this one time and I'm going to play it as me or some version of me, you know. And sometimes I may, I I, I very rarely, and I know you do this and I, I would like to do this maybe in the future, is to maybe create a narrative for that character. You know, before when I'm creating the character, especially if like in a Skyrim or a a similar game where you're playing a different race or something like that, come up with a backstory. You know, I think that that kind of thing, like um, real role playing and, and stuff that you might do in Dungeons and Dragons, I think that that would be that would be really cool and would add some depth to the character. But generally when I'm creating mine, I'm creating a version of me playing in the game. So, I do see the merit of it, but I also you know I also understand uh, that representation matters and and, and that uh, I could see that being an issue if I never got to play me in a game, if that made sense, you know if yeah. I never saw anything uh, like that. Well what about um you know I want to touch on these other two a little bit more briefly and then get into more specific comparisons um but hmm. you you mentioned the pay to win mechanic um is there a place for you know um real currency uh in-game currency that uh that fits fits a model that seems to be in in uh the best interest of the gamers see there's a you know a balance between okay the developers making money but this seems like a fair investment of time and resources uh you know and not just a money grab and uh a paywall for you to you know win the game like where is it used well
1: um I feel like they tried to do it well in Diablo because wasn't there plans for you to be able to sell items that you got in game to other players for real money and then Blizzard would just like take a cut of the transaction fee or whatever.
0: That is what I understand. I,
1: I don't think it actually happened, no but I think that was the plan. Yeah. And for me, that is where I think the most truest extra game economy is, right? Because what everyone is doing still is circumventing the system by using gold farmers and all sorts of whatever. And
0: that's backfiring on all of them. Yeah. Always has.
1: Yeah. So I think if there was something like that in the middle, because I I think where we all sort of hate the idea is that game developers create this fake thing and then charge us money to just get as much as we want of this fake thing. Uh, Do you know, like it just seems so stupid. Whereas, If I am fishing in World of Warcraft and I catch some rare fish that you need for something else and I want to sell you those fish, just like in the real world, I kind of love if they would be able to facilitate that because then there's a real scarcity. Like I'm spending my real time in my real life to do something that actually physically matters. And I feel like games sort of are missing that. So um, I think... Where decisions could matter more is if we could actually influence microtransactions, influence the economy, create supply and demand, like actually have the digital world mimic the real world, because right now it really doesn't. Microtransactions are an infinite supply of bollocks that never run out. And if they do put a cap on it, like with NFTs, like they tried to do, it's artificial and disgusting, you know, like, and people don't like it. So I think... If I decide to sit there all day in my real life and fish in World of Warcraft, and that's what I want to do, I kind of love that you would actually get some benefit out of it. And I think that is where your decisions would actually matter. Right now, microtransactions, it's just the haves versus the have-nots. Because for most people, you could definitely plunk down an extra 20 quid to get whatever you wanted, but not everyone has that option. And that just puts them at a disadvantage where they have a less cool looking character or like less ingredients or less mounts or, do you know, like it's just disadvantaging people and right. they have no way to ever get to that point because the grind is so unrealistic right. that you'd have to not want a job, you know? Well, and
0: I think that that's, I think back then that used to be the, that's the challenge of any game is how do you make the grind worth the time? And, uh, you know, in the, in the past before, you know, and I remember it. It's changed probably just because of life and family, but I didn't mind the grind in an RPG. I didn't. I didn't mind. In fact, that was part of it and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because there was a reward. If I I sat here and I would grind for a while, I could go in and wax the boss and it would just be easy because the boss isn't going to get harder just because I was grinding for the last two days. You know, he's a finite or the boss is going to be finite. I can get as good as I want to before I go in there. And so there was like a a reap, I reaped, you know, a reward for the time that I invested. Mm. I think that equity of opportunity that you just mentioned is the most important component is that it's not that everybody has the same things or the, I can pay for all of us to have the same things. It's, we all have the same opportunity to get that fish. And if somebody else gets that fish and sells it to you and you don't want to wait for it, well, then that's your choice. But you got it from them. I didn't get it from the the company. You know, I didn't pay money to get that fish from the company necessarily. I got it from you because you're the one that invested the time. But both people end up winning from that, I guess. We both could have fished Hmm. for it, but you did. You know, the difference Hmm. is, is the, the way the business is now is I could pay enough money to be able to get that fish, whether whether you got it or not. And then what you, all that time that you invested was, was effectively wasted. Mm. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no, <clears> hundred percent. <throat> I, I think, um, I, I think also having the choice to purchase a full experience versus a chopped up season pass, whatever, that's something that no one's really talking about right. because I don't I don't know about you, but the second something I hear, this game is free to play. Yeah. Unless it's part of Game Pass, which technically isn't free to play. We do pay for that, and you right. can get full game. That's not what we mean. But, like, anything that's an F2P game, instantly I'm, like, trash. Loaded for microtransactions. They're going to get you excited, and then they're going to ask money for it, or it's going to get so slow. Or what, you know, like, right. I want the option to say, like, right, you can play this game free, Or you can give us 60 quid right now and you can do whatever you want. One time. One
0: time. though. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. And I don't even mind paying for DLC. You know, there was something, there was an article written the other day that, that was uh, trying to put like a timeline is, is 20 hours enough to warrant the $60, whatever, like, Who's to say? You know, who's to say what that is? It's I so more sub-
1: than that in Four hours at the bar. It's it's you so know, subjective,
0: like- and I th- I really think that that may be one of the best ways. You know, how much does it cost for you to go to the movies right now, just for one person? Mm-hmm. And if you got a drink and a soda, that's like forty bucks. And yeah. so, and that's that's pretty cheap for a night movie with <laughs> drinks and a soda. It's like twelve or fifteen bucks just for those two. Your tickets fifteen bucks most likely at least. And so um, you know, just think of it, and that was two hours. If you got any more than that, well, that was the amount of time, you know, that you just, you know, you you paid for that in entertainment. Look at how yeah. equitable that is to other forms of entertainment. So um, it's a, that's a good litmus test, I think, for it. It may not be the best or the the be all, but I I do think it's a good way to compare it. And uh, I
1: mean, sometimes games are too short, and that is if they don't tell a complete and compelling narrative. Right. I know that James Stephanie Sterling talks a lot about um, what was it like the Siege or the Squad that like Victorian sort of cop game. that was only, like, Right, four that, that was more of a tech long. demo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's like that is too short, right? Because right. it just started getting good and then was over. Well, in part, and um, so
0: much of that was not even controllable. Like it was just cutscenes, and you, so like a, you know, a, a large portion, too large of a portion, was actually just you watching the gameplay itself. Yeah. So the four hours wasn't even a true four hours, <laughs> you know? so... Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I um, you know who's to say that, but I definitely think that the the pay to win mechanic has negative connotations all of them deserved and uh I have not seen it done very well often. You know, I have not seen yeah. it done well. Um lastly, th- this other little caveat I wanted to ask about is uh, the different versions of the game. You know, this mm-hmm. this started probably prior to the game uh I want to say it was it was uh Either prey. It was the one where you had the two factions and you had the hunters and you had the monsters that could, no, uh, evolve maybe? The one where the monsters could evolve. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could be a monster or you could be one of the hunters, you know?
1: Yeah, um, I remember that game.
0: And they had different tiers and all of this was, you know, they had like the, the, the five-year plan or whatever the, the things you know the uh same thing they did with anthem and these other games where it was like yeah. this is our schedule of events over time you know if you buy the game now in six months we're gonna have this none of that happened you know same yeah. things it, with, never does. it never does you know just don't wait for us to buy again and that was you know james stephanie sterling said this about that game as well and i think um even uh, Yahtzee Croshaw, you know, from Zero Punctuation mm-hmm. said it, you know, these people that buy these games beforehand are part of the problem, you know, because you're giving them the money up front for a game that hasn't even been proven. You've seen nothing about it. All you have is a name and a list of different tiers of purchase that you can get and how they're kind of just partitioning that game off, you know. So mm-hmm. some companies have done it right where there is a version of the game. That you know comes with collectibles. World of Warcraft used to do that with their you know their their bundles. They would sometimes you get a statue or a map or you'd get you know a mm. you know you get in game digital items and stuff that that are just cosmetic, maybe a mount and stuff like that. I'm fine with because that doesn't change the game. You know that's just perks for you. But um, but other than that, I mean, do you see any examples of that do, being done well? And does it have a place or? you know, in, in gaming in general?
1: I think in general, there's always a place for collectors, right? Like if this is a franchise that you love and you're wild about it, I remember when fallout done the pit boys and people were crazy for this. They loved it. And that's great. Like, you know, I have t-shirts that have star Wars on them and, you know, um, star Trek and all sorts, Marvel, blah, blah, blah. So for me being a fan of a franchise is no different I bought my dad the halo sword like many years ago and he has it on his wall so I don't I don't think like that's necessarily a problem and I see deluxe game editions and things like that as just collector's items for people who are big fans of the franchise they want to support it they want to make sure the money goes directly to the studio and do you know what like they don't want to get a third party t-shirt or whatever and you know so on and so forth so you know the more direct you are related to the game release. The better chance the people who actually make the game will see some of that money, you know. Right. Um, but where I think it falls down is when it's a blatant cash grab and a total lie. So, um or when you get things that really change the game. Like I know was it Shadow of Mordor? One of the other ones had like a character that completely changed the game if you got it, and or something like that. Or yeah. um, then Fallout. Uh, Seventy six, I think they had that scandal with the canvas bags that were just plastic and not actually canvas. Right. You know, marketing matters, advertising matters, giving people what you say they're going to give them like matters. But I think there is a place for you to decide if you'd like to spend a little bit more to get something that you're, you're going to cherish. I don't think that's a problem.
0: Right. Well, in, in, um, you know uh, probably another conversation but in the same where you'll have a game like i know that you enjoyed anthem in a way a lot of other people didn't but many games have been created with a sandbox with nothing in them you know and that's Mm -hmm. to be added later and so whether that is part of your involvement by financially supporting it so that they can add things to it or or whatever you know it's uh um, disingenuous, to say the least, that you buy something because they promised you something, and then it ends up being none of the things that they said. Not only that, it never ends up being any of those. You know, even though they—I oh.
1: mean, where the hell is Milo, Peter <laughs> Malu?
0: it's it's never coming. Is what it was. That's where I it still is.
1: Still have a Connect. This is my third Connect, and still no Milo.
0: Oh well, um, I think they've realized that that was a. That was never going to catch on. I still have the Kinect too, but I think it's in a drawer. So, um, well, so in in actual uh, choices, actually in gaming, there are a lot of different ways that games do this. And so uh, you mentioned one, uh, a, a really good comparison, I think, which is the either Last of Us one or two, really. But I think the Last of Us one, probably because that's the best, that has the biggest. Decision that you could make if you wanted to, and then you have as dust falls. Now, I have not played as dust falls, but I've played games similar to that where decisions do seem to matter, and there are many ways and and that the the story can can go based on that. Uh, Detroit become humans, another one of those that literally I has still
1: wanna play that game never ruin it. Well, <laughs> it's got it hundreds of
0: choices, like like hundreds of choices that can go in different ways, yeah. and and different characters can die. At multiple times, which changes the mm. entire narrative. And it shows you that. So like when a when a decision is made and you finish a chapter, it will show you and then it will show you all the different ways it could have, and it spider webs out. And you just went down this one and it could have been any number of these multiverse choices. Mm. And so there's lots of replay value in that. You know, not we're not arguing the merit of that game or how good it is is that I liked it. Um, mm-hmm. but lots of choice. So comparing these two games, how do you see choice mattering in, in a game with a, a single player narrative, like last of us versus as dust falls where you're playing multiple characters and choice does seem to influence the direction of the story.
1: Well, I think that choice is secondary to how good the story is okay, fair. Um, and I, I briefly mentioned this while talking to Holly, um, so I don't know if you remember me saying. But I was playing As Dust Falls. I got to the end of the first chapter. It showed me all the like branching off and everything that could have happened or whatever. And I was like, cool. <laughs> and I never played it again. Really? Um, yeah. It's it's for me. Yeah. It's just not that interesting. Yeah. I don't care about the characters. Right. There's it's it's just like piloting someone else's life in a realistic scenario it's not actually that fun right. you know like, yeah maybe um, too real you know, you know because there are still things where you are a bit on rails like it's not a huge spoiler that um one of them you're like a dad who has a family And you end up at a roadside motel on Route 66. Well, I'll tell you, there's your problem right there. Because if this was my life, I would have had things booked, ready to go. It wouldn't have been just a wander up situation to a random motel. Do you know? And I think that is, that's the issue with choice because it's only as strong as the narrative that is driving those choices. And something like the last of us too, which is an extreme scenario where you couldn't possibly anticipate what you would do until you are there right in that moment, making that decision as that character through their eyes, very different, I think. Right. Then right. just being an average Joe blow with no special abilities and really not that unusual of a scenario just doing whatever you know
0: (laughs) so it sounds like it's even especially in that circumstance that um, it wasn't earned like maybe any of the decisions nor the investment in the story was earned I wrote I wrote two quote while I was writing my notes I wrote two quotes down Um, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying these are overly inspirational but this is just what I thought of as I was writing it one of them is the ending of any game does not matter as much as the journey so from my experience and what I've played, Mass Effect was one of those games that was uh, was divisive, Mass Effect 3, that is, the entire series. A lot of people were divided over the ending. I was not. I actually was fine with the ending. I liked the ending. I, I actually went back and I watched the other ones that I did not choose. But I thought a lot about the course of the the... <laughs> 15 or 50 hours that I had already put into those games, all the decisions i had made up to that point. And I was like, okay, based on everything in this, I'm making an informed decision, which of these three I'm going to pick. And that's the one I'm going to live with, whatever it is. And I was cool with that. I know a lot of people did not like that, but, but I, you know, and they got their, their happy uh, ending that, that kind of encompassed everything and everybody wins. And that's great. Um, but I was okay with it. I felt like it, it, it mattered because of the decisions I made over the course. There were characters that died. There were those decisions I think were the most important decisions because that shaped the majority of the time I played the game. You know, the majority of the time I played the game, I made sure that that uh oh, what's our what's the Krogan that you get to keep? Um that's,
1: oh yeah i like him you know
0: and so he was one of my favorite characters kept him through you know yeah. the game and and uh, he becomes the king and mm-hmm. uh, you know the i made sure Aiden died because he was the worst and you know <laughs> sent him off to to be you know he whined a lot but you know but those decisions it was like i you they they did have a ripple effect across the story they didn't necessarily affect the end but was that the most important part and to me it wasn't i thought mm-hmm. that that's just the ending was icing on the cake. It was everything else I had done up to that point, whether it was saving the Rachni Queen or whatever else. In The Last of Us, I would have done the exact same thing Joel did. You know, I, I mm-hmm. believed I would have based on all of the circumstances. It's like you get to the point where you're like, this person could die or probably will absolutely die for nothing. But telling them yeah. that it's a burden I hope to hold. And I'm going to, I choose to do that. And, and, and you go into, you know, that's, that's a, that's a difficult damn choice to make in the circumstances, but I understood it. And I was glad that they didn't give it to us to make, I was glad that they just chose something and went with it because that was what fit the story best. Um, the other quote I had was single player, a single player narrative will always leave the most lasting impression on fans not not something like the 4 hour whatever for uh that the siege or the you know the game we were just talking about earlier that's more of yeah. on rails tech demo or even a 6 hour although uh that one call of duty campaign was was pretty powerful but about that's about the only one that was any good the one where you actually got killed in the you know in the narrative That was a twist on the story that nobody saw coming. Uh, I thought that they did a lot of really interesting things in that, some of it controversial, but I thought it was good. So, But narratives, those single-player narratives, they stick with you. That's the ones that we talk about. Those are the ones that, to me, transcend other forms of art where you're actually – you have agency over the character and the story is fantastic. And you're actually making choices that could change the direction that it goes. I mean, there's nothing in media or in entertainment or an art that does that. Mm. And, and I think that that's what makes, that's what can make games so powerful, you know? Um. So, <clears throat> oh, bless you. Any other, so I, there I had a couple other examples, but again, it still comes down to like, making choices and, and do these, do these choices matter? And are they good? Like, um, David Cage is, is a controversial character in, in, uh, gaming in that he makes strange choices, especially as they pertain to women. Um, heavy rain was his first, not his first foray, but his, his, his best, uh, to date. I think heavy rain still probably one of the better games, in terms of the story and what it takes to get to the end of that story. And there are a number of choices that you have to make, but it doesn't change the outcome necessarily. You know, the killer is still the same person, um, you know, and you still make choices to get to that point. Um, do you see any of these games that you've played, Cyberpunk being one of those, I think, that you and I have both played, where there are choices, but where do the choice did the choices matter? You know, did did the choices did it change the fact that you had choices in that particular game make a difference at all? You know?
1: I mean, no, not really, because I mean in Cyberpunk specifically, the by doing side missions, I became so powerful that I just blew through everybody anyway. Right. Like, I don't think that is what they wanted for me, for my experience, but that's what ended up happening. And then when I finally got to the end, I was like, really? This is this is awful. Yeah. You know, like I actually feel cheated. Like you've stolen some of my life. (laughs) Um, and it's because, uh, no matter what you did, you were just up in the face of such extreme power. You were just one person and even your ragtag group of whatever didn't matter. It never mattered from the beginning. Um, and, and in that case, you you got the illusion of choice. Right. You didn't actually have a choice. You were never going to win. Do you <laughs> well, know. Well, see, and like, I
0: wonder. See, now if they had created it, I don't know because I haven't finished that game. Um, I, I haven't played it in two years. <laughs> whenever I've quit playing it, um. <laughs> if that were the intention and they made it well known like over the course of the narrative it's like they build you up to be this person who might end up being able to be the savior and then they they smash that down and and just basically tell you in the end it didn't matter it didn't matter you didn't have a choice that maybe that the corporations are always going to control things and there's nothing else that you're going to be able to do in a very emo sad <laughs> way i would respect that ending you know i'd be like okay oh wow that would be more powerful to me if that's what they intended but i don't know that that's that's what they intended that may just be i don't
1: i I didn't have the option to just become a crime boss and like you know you know just be like nah it's cool you guys go ahead and save the world i'm just gonna run this bar it's gonna be awesome yeah do you know like you didn't. You had. You were on rails on this whole adventure. You versus the corporation the whole time. Even if you started out as the corpo, which I did, right. you were still on this us versus them situation, and it really didn't matter in the end. I, I think yeah. there it was possible for you to get one ending where you actually did overcome the system, but that's like one out of I think six possible endings. So no one really got that one, and yeah. I think I did. If I don't remember correctly, I think I did the frontal assault, but I was so powerful that it wasn't even that hard. <laughs> but at this point, I'm not, I'm not super sure anymore. Yeah. I, I remember what happened at the very end, and I, I still won't spoil it with you, but it yeah. was frustrating. Well,
0: I know that they're releasing uh, DLC for Cyberpunk. Um, there's more of a... a uh finale for johnny silverhands i mean they they kind of flesh out his ending a little bit better in the dlc and and i don't know if that's free or if that it should
1: he was the best part about it by far but about of any game cyberpunk 2077 was pure illusion of choice
0: right okay we'll see and that's i think that's a good example or a good um yeah it's a good example of Maybe the differences in some of these games where Mass Effect had what seemed to be a choice that that had real-world consequences. You saw the effect of it. It rippled on planets, like you could go to other planets and see the effect of a decision I made in the first game, and it would affect others later on. A decision I made with a human on this planet on the news would have an impact in the third game over here, and it was really cool how they traced those threads. Sometimes I think the games get so big that they lose sight of a lot of these threads and, and maybe even of the illusion of choice. And over the course of creating that narrative, the choices really end up not mattering. And, uh, and so it, it's situations like that. So Cyberpunk may be a cautionary tale of that where mm-hmm. um, incorporating choice is nice if it can be done, but doing it well is the key. You know, so I guess that's that's a good place to kind of segue this. Do you have any any last thoughts or closing closing arguments with including choice? Because I because I guess I just that's really really where a good way to segue this to the end.
1: Uh Yeah, I, w- I would just say like sometimes uh choices can really be done right. You know, yeah. uh, game developers can make the choice to listen to their. Um, fandom and create a game that people love Um, you can write in compelling dialogue that gamers never forget I mean telltales I love you brother comes to mind instantly just a few words of dialogue changed my recollection of the game forever Um, you know and you can offer people ways to make the choice to protect themselves and it won't cost you anything you know like Um, And you can make the choice to offer premium editions for collectors and things like that instead of just trying to rip them off with an unfinished game. Right. You know, I think that everyone has choices, gamers, as consumers and developers, about the type of games that we want to be a part of. But there are definitely great examples of where choice has been used to benefit the community instead of hurt it. Right.
0: Right. Yeah, I I agree and I think that um, it's probably the most difficult thing to do in gaming is to create these narratives where choices matter and they ripple effect across that either one game or multiple games. Uh, I think Telltale is a good example of a company that did it well and poorly, (laughs) sometimes in the same game. Where you would have choices that seem to make sense, then you would have choices that you made that would be infuriating because they'd immediately be dismissed by a character you just chose to save getting killed in the next scene, you know, and so it's like, what's the point? Um, Unless that is the point. And even and, and that's something I can get behind. But Creating games like that, listening to the developers—people who actually write these games—and get paid to write these games, instead of the the companies looking at how can we make the most money out of this product uh, by cutting this and adding this and and making it making it more of a uh, a subscription based or a you know a, a time sink where you have to continue to to invest to get more out of it instead of writing a cohesive narrative. And, and actually and, yeah. and, and shipping that out. I think choice in gaming is the is the difference maker in in games that that are considered art. Um, and not not all not all games that have choice are that way. And and that's that whole art moniker is not exclusive to games where choice is an option. I just think that they the best games to me, the ones that have that lasting feeling, are the ones that do tell a narrative, do have a story, do have some sort of journey that you go on. They don't even have to have they don't even have to have uh, you know dialogue to be a great a great memorable gaming experience. but there is a journey that you're taking on and it does have to be done well and you can you can create a journey without words that way, uh, just with the environment. Uh, but the ones where you can invest in the character, you see the impact, it has an um, you have emotional investment in them. Uh, those are the ones that really I think stick with you. Uh, it's not easy to do, but the ones I think that have been done well, uh, you know, they, they stand out and and they're memorable, they're they're classics of you know, the all-time best. So that is my opinion,
1: anyway. I love it. Yeah, well, great. <clears throat>
0: well. That wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this week's episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or message us on Facebook or Instagram at Retro Rebel Podcast. And please head over to wherever you get your podcasts and rate us, because that really helps our show. Until the next time.
1: See you later.